will do our part, Father. There's never a scenario where the mountain won't be moved. It will always be moved. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we give you praise and honor for it. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Does the Lord uh, move mountains? You know, the, uh, the thing about uh, Mark eleven twenty three there that says, whoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. That means that there's a partnership between us and the Lord. Amen. That we have a responsibility and he has a responsibility. And our responsibility is to speak to the mountain. And his responsibility by his own words is to move the mountain. Amen. Are we going to move it ourselves? No, we don't move the mountain ourselves. You know, I'll just do it myself. You know, well, I remember years ago, I, um, I bought a shed. I was going to put it in my backyard, but the backyard was a little sloped. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll mark out the shed, you know, and, and uh, I'll just dig it out. I'll dig out um, because I wanted it to be level, right? I wanted the front of the shed to be level with the yard. So that means I had to dig it out because it kind of sloped uphill. Uh, and so by the back of the shed, I had to move, I don't know, a foot or two of, of dirt, right? And so I thought, eh, you know, it's just, it won't take me any time at all, right? I started shoveling. And I shoveled, I don't know how long, I got nowhere. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, and uh, so then I hired it out, right? I had a guy, you know, a guy, he's got a backhoe, right? And um, he's, yes, this is my backhoe. No, you can't borrow it. But, uh, uh, but a friend of mine had a backhoe. And so the only thing better than having your own backhoe is know somebody else has a backhoe, right? Uh, and so he came out and moved it in minutes, right? I would have, I'd probably still be there, right? Uh, I mean, it was, you know, you imagine a moving a, that, it wasn't even, now it wasn't like a mountain, but in my mind, it was a mountain full of, uh, full of dirt. Uh, but sometimes we, we, well, Lord, I just do it myself. Well, start. How long is it going to take you? Amen. But the thing, the thing about it, that, that, that if you can understand the premise of the word of God, you know, the premise of the word of God is essentially we have a covenant relationship with the Lord. And we have responsibilities and he has responsibilities. And unless both parties do their responsibility, things don't get done. Now, is the Lord faithful to always do his part? He is always faithful to do his part. Amen. Are we always faithful to do our part? Well, you have to roll the dice on that one, right? Uh, I mean, how many times have, have I heard or have you heard people say, I don't know why the Lord hasn't healed me yet. Well, what, have you done your part? Have you spoken to the mountain? Well, I haven't. I just figured if he wanted me healed, he'd heal me, right? Well, see, he's not required. Uh, and really, he can't because... He said that, that my covenant agreement, agreement with you in this scenario is for you to speak and for me to back it up by my power. And if, and if we choose not to do our part, uh, is he obligated to do his part? Can he even do his part? Because for him to do his part with uh, us doing our part, he would have to usurp our authority and say, well, I'm going to just do it for them. Uh, and, you know, there are scenarios where he has done that in the sense of a sovereign move of God. But is he required to do it? If he said, here's the deal, you speak and I'll do. And if we don't speak, is he obligated? Can you go to him and say, Lord, you know, you said you'd move the mountain. I did. Have you spoken to it? Well, no. Well, then I'm waiting on you, right? How often do you reckon he's waiting on us? How many times do you reckon in heaven he's like, I keep asking me why I moved the mountain. I keep asking him why they haven't done their part, you know, because our part comes first, right? Do we speak to the mountain after it's moved? I knew it would go. What did you do? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you ever seen people take credit for something they did after the fact that, you know, they didn't have any part to play in it, but the, they took credit for it anyway. I knew it would leave. 
<laughs> and so, uh, but, um, but if you can understand that, when you read the promises of God, what you'll find, nearly every promise that I read, there's a man side and a God side to that promise. Amen? Uh, and, and just like accepting the Lord Jesus. Is there anybody who will not be accepted by the Lord Jesus if they call upon the name of the Lord? No. What if they don't ever call upon the name of the Lord? Will they be saved? The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So is there, is there any scenario where someone go, Lord, save me? Or it's like, nah, I'm just not feeling it. Is, he, is, it, is that ever a scenario? No. Is there anybody who ever call upon the name of the Lord and he won't, he won't cause them to be born again? No, there's not a scenario where that will not happen. And yet, will people die and go to hell every day? Every single day. Well, why not? Would you call upon the name? I just figured, you know, uh, according to, to uh, John Calvin, you know, he's already decided he's going to get saved or not get saved, you know, so nothing I can do about it. Well, that's a dumb doctrine right there, right? Uh, and so, yeah, the Lord knows who's going who's gonna to call and not going to call, but that's not him making us do it, right? That's just us choosing to do it, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, that, that's what you'll find in, in all of the Word of God. There's a God side and a man side. The vast majority of promises are a, a covenant agreement between us and the Lord. That we have responsibility and He has responsibility. And our responsibility is much less than His. I mean, how hard is it to go speak to the mountain? I mean, you know, unless you're a, a little ashamed or a little you know, nervous about people thinking you're crazy, all you've got to do is go out and speak to the mountain, right? But you've got to do it with faith, right? Because it's a, a not doubt in His heart. So that's the key. The key is the faith part. Uh, but physically, it's not all that hard to do it. Amen. <clears throat> and, and so who's got the harder part of the deal? Well, the Lord is. You know, how hard is it to speak versus how hard is it to actually move the mountain? Well, I mean, from a human, from a human standpoint, it's much harder to actually move the mountain. From God's perspective, it's the same either way, right? I mean, it, there, there's nothing that's even uh, slightly difficult for the Lord to do. Uh, and so if you can understand the word of God and the covenant that we have with him, that it's a, it's a two-way covenant, amen? And the vast majority of, of promises are predicated on us doing our part prior to him doing his part. Uh, and, and if we'll do our part, he'll always do his part, amen? Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of First uh, Peter chapter 5. We'll continue there today. And so we took a little bit of a side journey last week just about um, talking about the devil and how in the word of God we, we looked at four or five different uh, references where they all basically said the same thing that if you're going to deal with the devil in this life on this earth then uh, the Lord instructed us as the church to for us to do something about it he never said that he would do something about it he empowered us and gave us the authority to do something about it amen and so if we choose not to do something about it then then what is the devil going to do not going to do anything, right? He'll still keep on doing what he's doing, amen? Uh, and, and until we choose to do something about it, because the Lord put that in our hands and our responsibility to deal with the devil, then he's really under no obligation to do it. Uh, and, you know, the thing about the Lord is, uh, from, from reading his word and just getting to know him, he seems to be really picky about, look, I've, I've given you the instructions about what to do, and I'm just not under any obligation to give you a sovereign special act uh, to get you out of that situation. Uh, has he ever moved sovereignly and gotten people out of a situation by mercy? Absolutely he has. Will he do that tomorrow? Absolutely he will. Will he always do it? Absolutely he will not. He will not always use mercy to get people out of a situation. Uh, he will expect us at some point in time to, to uh, uh, command the word of faith 
and to follow his plan and instructions and to do what he's instructed us to do. Amen. And will he, will he have compassion on us in times where we just ha- don't do it? He will. But can we, can we guarantee that he will? You really can't guarantee that he'll have mercy in that situation because that's the very essence of mercy. But you can guarantee if you follow his word, he will always do it. Amen. If he said, speak to the mountain and, and it'll be removed, then that's a guarantee, right? 100% money back guarantee he'll always do it. Amen. And nobody's yet been able to submit a warranty claim on that promise. He says, Lord, you didn't do it this time. I want my money back. He's never, there's never been a scenario, right? Because he'll be like, well, did you doubt? Well, yeah. Well, then you didn't meet the qualifications. Amen. It's not, you know, just like, uh, you know, you, you do those, fill out those forms, right? You do all this stuff and, and you go do a warranty claim. And they said, uh, you had a typo. Sorry, we can't do that. I mean, they look for a tiniest loophole, right? I mean, you get everything else right. If you do one thing, sorry, you can't do that, you know. And I've done that before, you know, on occasion, try to submit a warranty claim. And they'd be like, uh, did, did you uh, do something every single day? You know, I, I know I had a warranty claim one time for like a transmission. Yeah, did you get it serviced every like 600 miles or whatever the number was, right? And I thought, well, no, who does that, right? I'm sure some people do, but most people, you know, you'd never do anything with the transmission until it, it explodes, right? And so, well, unless you can go and show me from, from, that you went to, to the dealership and had it serviced every 10,000 miles on a regular basis, we can't warranty for it, you know. Uh, and that's what they're hoping, right? They're hoping that nobody actually follows the rules uh, that the, are required in order to receive the warranty. Uh, and so, but we still try anyway, right? And we try with the Lord many times. Lord, I didn't follow your word, but can I get a special case anyway? Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's worth a shot. If, if you're desperate, it's worth a shot. He is merciful, isn't he? But I can't guarantee you that. You know, I can't guarantee that he will give you a, a special deal that supersedes his instructions from the word. Amen. But I can guarantee you if you follow the word, he'll always do it. Amen. So speak to the mountain. Uh, it'll be removed. Amen. Uh, and so he said here uh, in First Peter chapter 5, uh, let's, uh, <clears throat> uh, I was going to start at verse 8, but uh, it, it's really helpful to uh, start in verse 6 here. Uh, and actually, well, let's start verse 5. You know, well, you, want, you, know, you want to start in Genesis, we'll do that, right? Uh, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due season, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Well, uh, the casting your care is a, is a result of, is, is a humble act. Right. A, a, a humble act is to respond to the Lord and follow his instructions. When he tells us to do something, a, a humble servant of the Lord will say, yes, sir, that's exactly what I'll do. And, and so if he says, cast all you care upon him, that is an act of humility. Right. That's an act of because humility, you know, uh, the Lord had me study this topic uh, many years ago. Uh, exa- well, you know, what is humility? And a lot of times, you know, and when you get into religious circles, Humility is, I'm nobody, I'm no count, I'm of no value, you know. Uh, that's, that's, that's crazy talk, right? Because he literally said, if you humble yourself uh, under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. So, is being under, being of no count, no value, how, how can you stay like that and be exalted at the same time? It's just not possible, right? So, you know, uh, being humble is not uh, self-deprecating and, you know, saying you're no count, unworthy, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and if you go over to uh, Matthew 18, when, when, it, when he says, humble yourself, therefore, as, as a child. Yeah. And that's really the key, right? 
Uh, you ever seen a child, you know, like a three-year-old go, I'm so unworthy, Dad, you know, I, don't, I, you know, I, I really don't I'm going to bother you, but, you know, I'm, uh, but, uh, although I'm unworthy to receive your blessings, you know, can, you, can I have a, a cookie? There's no three-year-old that does that, right? I mean, they never do that. Uh, now, their humility is when they want a cookie, who do they go to? They go to the source, right? They, they go to the one who helps. That's an act of humility. When you know your place and you know that in and of yourself, you're, un, you're incapable of, of succeeding without the greater one in your life and you easily yield to the greater one. That's an act of humility. Uh, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So uh, the word uh, humility really means to remain under. Uh, and it's really a, if you go back and look at the research, the word uh, about humble humility, it's really a, uh, a military word, which is talking about rank and order. So it means staying in your rank and order, right? And so uh, there, there is, a, uh, there is, is uh, a chain of command in the military. And they drill that into you. You know, you don't, you don't uh, uh, usurp the chain of command. If you're a sergeant, you go to the staff sergeant, right? You don't go to the general, uh, and if you're if you're a private, you go to the sergeant. If you're a lieutenant, you go to, the, to I don't know what's a first lieutenant, right? Uh, and so you you follow the chain of command. You remain under. Uh, and and the 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 promise is that as long as you stay in the chain of command, you'll get the things done. Now, that, in reality, that's not always the case in the military because they're flawed human beings just like we are. But in the Lord, there's no flaw, right? It's always guaranteed if you stay under. Uh, which is so all, humi- all humility is is I'm here the Lord is always greater than me I'm under him I'm not equal, equal with him and I know there is a, the, the doctrine about we're equal with Christ but as far as authority goes we are under the authority of the Lord amen uh, and, and when I execute authority what I'm doing is I'm staying in that chain of command that I'm here I have been authorized by the, by the greater one above me to speak and when I do that, I'm sending that up the chain of command. That then the chain of command is going to respond to me doing what he's instructed me to do. And he will follow through with his power to execute what it is that I've ever spoke to, right? Whatever mountain I've spoke to. So humility is just simply remaining under. Uh, and if you, can, if you can leave it at that, that's really easy to understand. I'm under the Lord. He's always over me. Uh, I never think I'll do it on my own, Lord. That is an act of pride, right? An act of humility is, Lord, I can't do anything. The, Jesus himself said... In John chapter 5, I can of mine own self do what? Do nothing. He literally said those words. I can of mine own self do nothing. That is a statement of humility. Uh, that is a statement of I need somebody in my life. Uh, and so oftentimes as Christians, uh, it, it's difficult for us to remain humble. Well, I made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it. That is a statement of pride. Because you're not remaining under the Lord. If you remain under the Lord... Lord, uh, I've made my bed hard. Uh, what are we going to do about it? You know, what can you help me? How can you help me get out of this? How are we going to get out of this situation? Amen. Uh, th- there's been plenty of times when the Lord will rebuke me about, you know, things I've done, actions I've done, or words I've said, or even sometimes thoughts, you know, things that I dwell on longer than I should. Uh, and, and I always say to the Lord, Lord, then what are we going to do about it? You know, your grace is going to be there. And so uh, I'm going to submit myself unto him, right? Because he said... Uh, over in James, about the same thing. Submit yourself, therefore, under under, under God, right? Uh, and so, so being humble, it, being humble is really easy. Amen. Being humble just recognizes there is somebody greater than me, and I choose to remain under them. And so, do you believe that God is greater than you? Uh, do you acknowledge that? 
Uh, are you willing then to depend upon him for your very breath? See, that's, that's humility, amen? Uh, pride, I, I got this, Lord. I got this, Lord. Uh, that's dumb, right? I mean, what do you got? I mean, uh, how are you going to move a mountain? Yeah, I got a shovel. Okay, praise God. We'll just sit here and wait. I hope you live forever because, I mean, it's going to take... You know, you ever seen them actually uh, do, do grading work? You know, like when they're building roads and they've got to actually move a mountain. You ever seen them do that? I mean, in months and months of these giant machines, right? Uh, the earth movers. They call them earth movers, right? And they're huge. It'll still take a month to move a hill. Not a mountain, a hill, right? Uh, if they have a mountain, you know what they do? They drill a hole. It's called a tunnel. They can't, they just literally can't do it. It's too much work. They, they just, there's not enough machines on the earth to move an entire mountain, Amen. Now, unless they just, well, we'll start today and in the next generation we'll get done. Well, that, if that's what they want to do, amen. Uh, and so, so that, that's verse, uh, verse 6, verse 7, casting all your care upon him. That is an act of humility, amen. Uh, and what if, you, what if you want to keep all your cares? Well, I just can't quit worrying. Well, then you're in violation of his word and you're no longer a humble servant of the Lord. Because if he said to do that, then it's an act of humility, Amen. Uh, an act of humility is, Lord, I can't, I can't do this. You, you never called me to carry uh, these weights, right? Uh, uh, you're, you never called me to carry these cares, amen? Oh, they're just the cares of the world. I mean, what did, what did Jesus teach about in, in the, uh, 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 the parable of the sower in Matthew 13? That the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will do what? Choke the word, right? It'll cause you to lose out on the word. So when you think you've got the capacity to handle all the cares of your family, of the church, of your job, of the economy, of, of whatever it is, when you feel like it's your responsibility to carry the cares, then, uh, then you're going to lose out on the word. And you will find yourself distancing yourself from the Lord. Uh, and it, you know, it reminds me of a story that uh, when Brother Hagin started the Bible school out there, he started school in the early 70s. And um, uh, and so a friend of his, another minister friend, came and, and uh, so they hopped in the golf cart and they were he was driving around the campus, you know. Well, we're going to build that building. We're going to build that building. You know, this things like that. And the guy said, "Man, I, I I can't imagine the cares that you're carrying right now." And Brother Hagin said, "I ain't got a care in the world." He said, "I didn't want to do this to begin with." He said, "If it if it fails, I'm just going to go around the country and tell everybody the Lord didn't do what He said He was going to do. I ain't got a care in the world." And yet you see ministers, you know, especially, you know, pastors or people, that, traveling ministers that are trying to build a ministry. And the cares of the finances and the cares of the building and the cares of the construction weighs on them. Amen. And I'm not doing it. You know, I mean, we did all this work here and I ended up having to do a lot of it. But I wasn't worried about it. there's no care. I mean, it's like if it never got done, I don't care. What if it doesn't, what if it doesn't get done? Until, I don't care. I mean, you know, it's just. What if you don't have enough money? I, not my problem. It's the Lord's problem. Right? If he tells me to do it, it's just, and everything we've ever done, he's always said, here's the budget. And I go to the contractor, and I don't tell him what the Lord says. I say, what's the budget? And they'll tell me, and it always lines up with the word. And if, and, and if there's a time when the Lord gives me the budget, and they tell me it's different, well, then that's, you're wrong. Because the Lord's, you know, here's, the, here's what it should cost to do this. And every time they've been right so far, in fact, the very first time was when we renovated the bathrooms, you know, I figured it was going to cost about $15,000 to do the bathrooms. And, and uh, I said, you know, I asked this first time we worked with the contract. And I said, hey, can you give me a quote to, to renovate the bathrooms there? And he looked at it. He goes, what do you think it's going to cost to do that, you know? 
And, and I said, well, it's, I figure it's going to cost about $15,000. And he said, Phew. He said, that's exactly right. He said, I can't tell you how many churches, you know, I look at a project and, and I ask them. And they say, well, it shouldn't cost more than a nickel. You know, may, maybe a dime, you know, this is the Lord's work. You know, we can't be spending a lot of money on this thing, right? You know, and, and then they want, they want the contractor to not eat for the three weeks that he's doing the, the work there. Well, why, you know, what's wrong with paying people the value of the, of the work that they do? Is the Lord short on money up in heaven? Well, I don't think he is, right? And so... Uh, now look, uh, that's why the Lord tells me what the budget is because are there uh, uh, unscrupulous uh, contractors that'll try to retire on one job, you know, and, and say, well, that's going to cost uh, you know eight hundred thousand dollars for well, painting a wall. It's a big wall. I mean, still, you know, uh, are are there uh, contractors that would try to lie, cheat, and steal? Sure, they would. That's why we need the wisdom of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, but it's not my care; it's His care. He said, cast all your cares. Well, except for the big ones. Is that what it says? No, so an act of humility is not to live a carefree life. If you're not living a carefree life, you might want to be more humble. Amen. See, it doesn't mean that there are not things to deal with. Are there things to deal with? He didn't say don't have anything to deal with. I mean, one easy way to not have any cares is to literally do nothing. Sit at home like a lump. I mean, if you have no responsibility, that's easy to not have any cares, right? But uh, he didn't say don't have any responsibilities he said, don't have any cares, amen? I'm responsible for the church. I'm responsible for, the, you know, the, to make sure that the thing gets done correctly. But I don't have to worry about it, you know? I mean, Brother Hagen had to make sure that the builders got built and, the, you know, the contractors got paid. And, uh, but you don't have to worry about it, amen? And so it, an act of humility is to not have any cares. Uh, or uh, I've got a, uh, uh, in my footnotes here for this verse, where it says casting, one, one uh, footnote says throw, throw all your cares upon him. Right? Some people, it's like, it's like prying a, a, a nickel out of a cheapskate. You ever tried to do that? And they, they, I ain't let it go. I mean, they'll hang on to the, as long as they possibly can. Hang on to the cares as long as they can. And never give it up. You know, Lord, you know, the Lord, if you're not supposed to be under the cares, how many cares do you reckon the Lord is under right now? How much pressure is the Lord under right now? None. So when you don't cast your cares upon him, he's up in heaven going, what are they going to do? Are they going to do it or not? They, they need to do it. If they don't do it, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I, you know, he's up in heaven going, well, maybe they'll figure it out. You know, let's intercede for them a little bit more. Maybe they'll figure it out, right? Uh, if we're not supposed to care, is the Lord under any care? You know, he, surely he's not. Amen. He's not any care at all. So we're supposed to cast all of our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us, right? The, the Amplified, Jerry, do you want to pull up that Amplified version of, of, uh, of uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 there? Uh, the Amplified uh, version is a good translation for that particular verse there. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. So how many of those are we supposed to cast upon him? All. And how often? Once and for all on him. You know, if you cast your care upon him and you start thinking about it tomorrow, did you really cast it upon him? Well, I'll cast it on you today, Lord, but if you don't get it done by tomorrow, it's all mine again. Right? I mean, you got, you got to work now, Lord. No, on him. But Why? For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Amen. So does he care for you? Amen. That's why we cast him on because he cares about us. He cares uh, about us. He loves us. He cares about us affectionately, right? Not just like, here we go again. Uh, they're casting more cares. You reckon they were going to quit doing that? No, affectionately, right? Uh, he wants more than anything for us to cast our cares upon him. Amen. 
uh, more than we'll ever know. Uh, and cares about us watchfully. He, ha- he is, has a vested interest in the success of our life. Amen. He desires for us to do well and to be well in this life. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it should be easy for us to cast our cares upon him. And look, you know, uh, are you breathing air? Then there's going to be cares that you're going to have to deal with between now and in your last breath on the earth. Amen. Uh, and, and, you know, for me personally, I sleep well every night. Every night I sleep well. But on occasion, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be in bed. It's like, how come I'm not asleep? And I'll be thinking about whatever, you know, whatever thing. And I realize, oh, I'm, I am worrying about this thing. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you just can't help but worry. Well, yeah, you can. Because all you can do is cast that care, right? So first thing I always do, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for worrying and not being in faith about this thing. And I'm going to hand this care over to you. You deal with it in your timing, however you choose to do it. Amen. And, and when you want to do it, how you want to do it, no problem. You know, you, you take care of it. I'm the last thing I'm going to think about it. And so an easy way to know if, you're, if you haven't cast your care, are you still thinking about that thing? Whatever the thing is, are you still thinking about it? Is it the first thing you think about, last thing you think about? Uh, are you thinking about in the middle of the night, during breakfast, lunch and dinner? Then you haven't cast it over on it. If you're still thinking about it uh, and it consuming your thought, thought life, then you haven't cast it upon him. Amen. Uh, and when you, when you get to where you cast it on him, you know, you may not think about it for days, weeks, months. Oh, I wonder what happened to that thing. Oh, let's go check on it, you know. Uh, then you'll know you've cast your, your care successfully on him. Uh, and then he goes in, in the verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. And uh, because your adversary, the devil, is there an adversary against us on this earth? The devil, right? Uh, and um, there was a, I was reading a, a newspaper article. Somebody asked you know, what's the difference between devils and demons, you know, and they, they kind of made an answer on that, you know, and then they went through this long discussion, uh, and at the, end of the, at the end of the article, they said, but there's no evidence that there are still devils and demonic forces in operation on the earth today. Like, what planet do you live on? Are you like on the moon or something? I mean, what world do you live on? That Have you never turned on the news? I mean, if you're on the news, it's like, oh, that's a devil. Oh, that's a devil. That's a devil right there. Uh, and so, but they really said that. And they really believe that. Now, I can't imagine thinking that, right? That there are no devils or demons in operation today. Uh, but, he, but he says, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, and so, um, has the devil finished devouring? Is he like, okay, I've devoured everything I need to do. I'm, I'm retiring now. I'm no longer going to operate in the earth. Has he completed his goal here? Well, surely he has not completed his goal, right? Now, in fact, uh, you know, to devour means to consume. Uh, well, well uh, what's one aspect of sickness that often does to a, a person's body? It will consume their body, right? You ever seen cancer? Uh, and read what cancer does? It consumes body, right? I mean, if they remove the cancer... Oftentimes, there, there, there is a lack of, of the physical body where the cancer had eaten. It eaten the, eats the bones, eats the muscles, eats the tissues. And, and oftentimes, they have to have skin grafts or some type of grafts from other parts of the body to replace what the cancer had, had devoured. Amen? And so, it's, of course, not just talking about sickness and disease here. It's devouring you in any way that he can, right? In your thought life and in your, in your uh, love, joy, and peace, anywhere that he can. Uh, and so... Is the devil going to do that? He is going to do that, right? He is an adversary. Uh, and, uh, is he a roaring lion? He is not actually a roaring lion, but he is pretending to be a roaring lion, right? 
uh, he is actually a very wimpy person in reality. When we see him uh, for what he really is at the end of time, we will all see the devil for what he is. And all of us in one accord will be, that's it. That, that's all he had. That whole time, this is it, that we've been afraid of this thing. That's it. We will be super unimpressed when we actually see the devil, right? Uh, and it's just like the story with Smith Wigglesworth, right? He, he woke up one, one evening. He was in bed asleep. He woke up. He had something that woke him up. And he looked over, and there was the devil in his room. You know, the devil's probably not appearing to most people, but people like Smith Wigglesworth, he's probably appearing to, just like he appeared to Jesus, right? People that are high rank in the earth that have a major impact in, in the destruction of his work, he may appear to them. And he saw him, right? Now, you look, he, I believe that. Believe it or don't believe it. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not a doctrinal statement. It just is what it is, right? But he w- rolled over, saw him. He said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. He didn't even rebuke him, didn't cast him out. He said, it's just you. Unimportant. A minor adversary, right? And that's, if we can think about that, because a lot of times people elevate the devil. Oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. You know, it's so hard being a Christian. The devil's just beating up on me. It just blah, 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 right? And it just, it's just so, he is so unimpressive as an adversary. He is an adversary, but he is not an impressive adversary, right? It's not like him and Jesus, they're so close, you know, and it's, and it's neck and neck, you know. I mean, who knows, you know, uh, and then Jesus is going to get it, but, you know, he might knock Jesus down for a little while. And, you know, he didn't even knock Jesus down on the cross. Jesus went willingly, went by his plan, right? It was according to his plan that Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't the devil. Jesus was no one's victim ever, right? He said, I laid down my life and I take it up. He said, this commandment have I received from my father. He, the devil didn't kill Jesus. Jesus went up there and, and he eventually, in fact, at the very end, he, he said, it's finished. And, and he says he bowed down his head, bowed his head and, and gave up the ghost. He, he laid his life down and then he took it back up, right? Three days later, he took it back. Let's go, boys. It's time to go. Could the devil hold him in, in, in chains, in, in darkness? No, after three days, you know, the Bible says that the glory of God went down and, and, and took him out of uh, the place of the damned. Uh, and so, so uh, he, he is not, an, you should never be impressed with the devil. You should never go, oh, he's such a, he's such a strong adversary. He's not a strong adversary. You know, he, he's a defeated adversary, amen? He literally is a defeated adversary. Uh, you know, when in World War II, uh, when at the end of World War II, when, when we were negotiating with, with the, specifically with Japanese, we said, you know, hey, um, you need to surrender or we're going to drop this big bomb on you. And they're like, uh, well, we'll surrender with conditions. And so we dropped a bomb on them. And they said, would you like to have that discussion again? You know, uh, you need to surrender with no conditions. And, and uh, well, we're thinking about it. So they dropped the second bomb on them. Uh, and, and not make a light of it. It is a serious thing, right? I mean, hundreds of thousands of people died from this, uh, these events. After the second bomb, we'll be glad to surrender with whatever, uh, with whatever conditions you want. Amen? Now, those with the power get to make the rules. Amen? We are the ones with the power. The devil is not the one with the power. Uh, and so he surrenders unconditionally you know, if we stand in the, in the position that we should. Uh, and so the point that... Uh, uh, that Dr. Yeomans was making here that if the devil tempts us, we are not required to yield. Amen. Uh, And that goes back to the design of humanity that the Lord has given us a sovereign will. Uh, And that's the thing about the devil. And and people, I don't think even much of the church appreciates this as much as we should, is because we have such a sovereign will. 
there is no spirit, whether it's of God or of the enemy, that can override our will. Now, it can, if we choose to yield to the devil, like people that are possessed with the devil, did they choose to yield to the devil? They did. There's nobody ever been possessed by accident. Nobody's ever been possessed by being overcome by the devil. It was always a choice. They, snuck, they, they allowed this devil to come in their life over here. And yeah, it ramped up, right? The devil doesn't just show up on the front doorstep. I've come to possess your spirit. Nobody says, I'll take that deal. Nobody does that, right? The devil uh, will, will sneak around with some occultism or, you know, some, some things that are devilish and demonic. And, you know, he'll sneak around until he says, now you need to let me just take, take you over all the way. Oh, yeah, do it. Go ahead and do it. Because he'll lie and say, if you'll let me possess you, I will, I will make you a prince in my kingdom. It's always a lie, right? That's never, in, in fact, you know, again, this is not, not doctrine, but I have read stories where people have gone down to hell and seen same things in hell. And they said that the people that, that are punished the worst are always the ones that, he, that the devil made the biggest uh, deal with them. Uh, just out of spite. That he wants to, to double up on them. That, yeah, I told you you'd be my prince, but now I'm going to punish you the worst because I just, I just want you to know how much I lied to you. Uh, now, I mean, again, you take that with a grain of salt, I know, because we don't have any, any particular doctrine for it. But that just sounds like the devil would do something like that, right? It's being spiteful to people that he's made that lie to. But the thing about the human spirit is it's sovereign. We choose to yield to the Spirit of God anytime we want to. We choose to yield to the devil anytime we want to. And even if we're fully possessed, we talked about that last week in, in Mark chapter 5 with the gathering demoniac. Even if you were fully possessed... If there's a spark of, of will left in you to get help, God can help you. Right? Remember the man, the Gadarene demonic, had a legion of devils and said he came and worshipped Jesus. So Jesus saw a spark of life in him that his, he had a spark of will. I want out of the situation. He didn't know how to get out of it. He didn't have the power in and of himself to get out of it. But God brought the power to him and delivered him from a legion of devils. Right? Uh, and so there was at least 2,000 swine that were killed. So he had at least 2,000 devils in him and so uh, the thing that we've got to appreciate is uh, we are never required to yield to the devil there's never a scenario where you can say the devil made me do it never a scenario that that's biblically impossible for the devil to make you do anything it's biblically impossible for god to make you do anything amen uh, as far as changing your will um, now can the lord constrain your will so that it's unable to be expressed sure and the devil constrain your will to, to keep it from being expressed. He can, if you choose to yield him in other ways. But at, at the end of the day, can, can any being, God or the devil, change your will? Cannot change your will. Amen. That's a sovereign act. You, nobody can change your will except for you. Uh, and, and if you can understand that, that, that makes a lot more things about the word of God more clear. Because the Lord, he'll never make you do anything. If you're, if you're an intelligent human being and a faithful servant and a humble servant of the Lord... You will yield to the Lord on a regular basis with your will. Lord, I choose to do this. I choose to follow you. I choose to believe your word. I choose, it's my choice. Amen. And, and faith, all of faith, at the essence of faith, at the very root of faith is a choice. Amen. Faith starts with a revelation, a supernatural revelation from God through the spirit of God to your spirit that whatever the word of God is saying is so. But at the end of the day, you have to take that revelation and as an act of your will say, I choose to believe that's so. So it, there's an act of, of your will, right? Of your, uh, your will is part of your soul. And I know in the charismatic world, that's almost a, a, a um, heresy to say that your soul has got something to do with faith. But it does. It takes your spirit and soul to fully operate in faith. The spirit gets you the revelation that the word of God is so. 
and that it works for your life, whatever the word is. But then at, at the end of the day, the Spirit of God will, will hand that revelation to your spirit man and your spirit man will hand that to your will. What are we going to do? Are we going to re- accept it or reject that? And you will go, hmm, yeah, I think I'll take that deal. Now you're in faith, right? But oftentimes your, your will will go, hmm, yeah, that's not for us today. And you completely reject, even though the revelation is there. Uh, but your will says, nah, I just don't want to. I, 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 can't, I can't accept that because of past experiences or past whatever. I just can't accept that. Well, it's not because you, you literally physically can't. You just, your will just can't get there, right? Your will looks at that and go, I'll have to change too much of what I believe to accept that to be true. Uh, and, you know, again, a story with uh, Brother Hagen that he talked about that uh, there was a, a pastor of a church that had, uh, over the years, spoke a lot against Brother Hagen about faith, you know, because Brother Hagen was a faith teacher and all that's faith business, you know. I mean, for by grace you saved through what? I don't know. Why, why are people so against faith? I never understood. Everything comes by faith. I mean, if you're saved by faith, what, what's, what, what doesn't come by faith? Literally everything by faith, right? What's the only thing that, that, that uh, we can do that, that doesn't please God? Without what, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. He didn't say without righteousness or without prayer or without reading of the word or without you know, going to church. He didn't, none of those things, without faith. It's the only thing that's impossible to please God if you have no faith. Amen? Uh, and yet, people fight against faith. What? Why do you reckon they fight against faith? Who's got the most to gain from a church to being low in faith? Well, the devil does, right? And yet people have a hard time with, with even today. Oh, the, I, I heard a charismatic person say, the word of faith movement is over. What does it even mean? It's always the word of faith movement. It will be a word of faith movement until the last breath on the earth. Until, uh, really until forever. I don't know when faith will ever come to an end, right? Uh, and so, is God a God of faith? This is by faith he spoke the worlds into existence. So if he spoke everything to existence, when is faith going to come to an end? You reckon we're going to need faith when we get to heaven? I mean, God used faith in heaven. And so, uh, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with faith, but I'm sure there's going to be something to do with faith uh, when we get to heaven. So, a- anytime we want to, we can, we can choose to use faith. And so, uh, back to the, the story with Brother Hagen. So this fellow just um, uh, had preached against faith, but he invited Brother Hagen to come speak at his church. And this is when Brother Hagen would typically do, you know, two services a day for sometimes for weeks at a time. Uh, and, uh, and Brother Hagen's talking to him, like, what? you know, he's not, he's not in our circles, right? That's not that he was in better circles. He's just, you know, there, there's even in the charismatic world, there's people that, you know, just not really my thing, right? I mean, it, uh, maybe, you know, spit cotton all the time. I'm not really a spit cotton kind of guy, right? And, and, you know, sometimes, and it's okay to spit cotton, you know, I mean, it's fine, right? And what I mean by that is preaching really, you know, all the time, right? Red-faced and, you know, Sweating everywhere, got a towel, you know, wiping your face with a towel. You're just really sweating hard. I'm not really that kind of guy, right? And, and it, you know, preaching is primarily for the lost, right? To encourage them to get saved. The church doesn't really need preaching. The church, the church it needs instruction, amen? Preaching is primarily for the lost. Now, you know, you can be encouraged with preaching. and it's not, it's not, I'm not opposed to preaching. Every now and then I preach around here. But it's pretty rare, right? Uh, because primarily we need to be taught, amen? Uh, we're already, are we already saved? We're already saved, right? So we don't need to be encouraged to get saved. But anyway, so, uh, so that's really, you know, people, you know, some people, they're really focused on like Old Testament survey, right? All the kings of the, of the Old Testament. 
uh, you know, some churches are, old, uh, are um, end time event churches, right? And if they ask me to come preach at their church, I'd be like, what do you want me to preach about? I'm not really an end time event. You know, who's the Antichrist? I have no idea, right? Uh, is he here? I don't know. What about the seven blood moons? I don't even know what that means, right? I mean, you know, there's just, you know they'll, they'll emphasize all that. And I'm not opposed to that, but that's just not my thing, right? It's just, you know, we want you to come and teach, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, whatever, something, end time events, you know. Uh, what's, 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 uh, who's, who's the Antichrist going to be? I don't know, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, he's like, well, Lord, I don't, you know, why is he asking me to? Lord said, I want you to go. I'm like, okay, I'll go. See, a humble servant of the Lord, if the Lord speaks, you know, now if the Lord says, it's up to you, it'd be like, well, I mean, I got nothing for them, right? But if the Lord speaks and say, go, well, then you got to go, right? That's what a humble servant of the Lord would do. They'd obey the Lord. And so he went, and he had two services a day. The pastor never came to the services. And the Lord spoke to him and said, he's going to die in his pulpit. And so after like the second week, after the first week, you know, during the second week, the wife came to Brother Hagin and said, could you ask, ask my husband to come to the meetings at his own church? You know, because he hasn't come to any of, the, any, any of the morning sessions, right? The morning sessions were about faith. Uh, and um, he goes, I can't. Why, why do you ask? She said, I, I don't know. I just sense in my heart that, that if he doesn't come to these meetings, he's going to die. And, 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 of course, once she said that, uh, then Brother Hagin said, well, that's what the Lord told me, that he's going to die. And so he went and talked to the pastor. Hey, why don't you come in? You know, you invited me here. Why aren't you coming to these meetings? And he said, he said Brother Hagin, he said, he said, you know me. I said, uh, for many years I've preached against faith and messages like you teach. He said, I've come to find out that you were right all the time. He said, but for me to get up and, and, and tell my church that you were right and I was wrong, he said, I, he said, I can't do that. I can't get up and say that I was wrong. He said, I'd rather go to the grave than to admit that I was wrong. And so Brother Hagin finished the meetings, left, and the very next Sunday, he died in his pulpit. It's like, well, that's just dumb, right? You know, can you imagine doing that and dying and then, and then appearing before the Lord? And, you know, and Lord, he's just like, he won't even say anything. He's like, just go on in. I, I ain't even going to talk to you. Just go on in. I mean, he let him in. But yeah, just go to the back of the line. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's just dumb because the Lord sent Brother Hagin by the Spirit of God and his wife by the Spirit of God to help him. I'd rather die. And the Lord's like, dummy you could have lived a long life now you now your wife is down there by herself the church has got no no shepherd and now they have to cover up uh, in uh, all your messes because all you had to do was just say yeah i was wrong that's all you had to do i can't tell you how many times i've said i was wrong from the pulpit right uh, and, and even you know i've told my kids i was wrong more than once hey i was wrong sorry about doing that i got no problem with saying i'm wrong because last time i checked i don't look just like the lord jesus yet do you look like the lord jesus yet well, surely you're wrong about something, right? I, I'm never wrong. Would you like a list? I mean, I can give you a list right now. I mean, you know, and so, uh, but I don't, do you know anybody? I'm never wrong. You know anybody like that? I know people, I am never wrong. <laughs> really? Is that right? Never wrong. Yeah, well, would you, I mean, you know, I don't know about that. But, um, and so, uh, <clears throat> so he said that, that the devil is there and that uh, if the devil tempts us, we are not required to yield. You've got to get that settled in your heart. You're never required to yield. So that means if you ever do yield, anybody ever yielded to something the devil wants you to do? A thought or an action or something, you know, even a thought sometimes, right? Dwelling on a thought. Uh, anybody ever done that? No, no one in here, right? You're all perfect people, right? And so, uh, but the thing, if we will acknowledge that, yes, uh, that temptation was there, I chose to do that. See, if you'll own it, then you can repent of it, right? 
But see, a lot of times, I couldn't help it. That is not an excuse. Because that's biblically not true. Every sin you've ever committed, you chose to do it. Nobody made you do it. The devil didn't make you do it. The pressure, oh, I just couldn't take the pressure anymore. Not true. You know, uh, uh, people all the time will say things like, I- I'm working on it. Things like when it comes to forgiveness, you know, I'm working on it. That is simply not true. You know, because is it true? What is true is Romans 5, 5. That the, that the love of God is set abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Is that a true statement? Is it true that you have the agape love of God right now in your heart? Is that true? We know it to be true, right? We don't want to admit it sometimes. But is it true? What's well, true? The agape, the, the, love, the God kind of love lives in you right this very moment. How much capacity does that love of God have to forgive? It's infinite, right? Is there a limit to that? Right? Growing up, you know, I've told you the same stories. I'm sure you've heard the same thing, right? My mom and dad was like, I've had it up to here, right? So what's that mean? That means they had the limit. Right? I've had it up to here, right? And so, you know, you could take it up to here and you'd be safe, right? But if you to here, you're in big trouble, right? So up to here, you're good. Up to here, you duck, right? And so, uh, <clears throat> well, see, they have a limit. But people all the time, Christians say, you know, I just can't do that right now. That's not true. You chose not to do it right now. That is true, right? But you can't technically say, I can't do it right now. I don't have enough love to forgive them right now. It's not true. Simply not true. Biblically untrue. Uh, And see, if you say that, what you're saying is, I'm choosing to remain in unforgiveness, but it's not my fault. God cannot judge me for that. So we're trying to use an excuse to remove the guilt from our lives. But the problem with the Lord is, he's like, I don't care. You say whatever you want to. I know what I've done. I've given you all, uh, my love in your heart, which is have infinite capacity to forgive. So there's no excuse, right? There is literally no excuse. Now, we'll try to have an excuse. You reckon they'll all ever, ever uh, be successful with the Lord? Lord, I couldn't forgive them. And I was like, I, did we rip out Romans 5? Hey, is, is Romans 5 still in the Bible? Uh, did, didn't I give my same love I sent my son with? Did I, did, did, I, did I miss something? Gabriel, come here. Pull up Romans 5 for me, right? You'd be like, Jared, you'll pull up Romans 5. Pull up Romans 5, 5 right there, right? Uh, is that in the Bible? I think, it's, I think it's Romans 5, 5, right? Is it? Let's see if Jared is right or not. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Because the love of God, that word, if you look at the word love there, it's agape. The, the love of God, the agape love of God is shed abroad in my heart. By the Holy Ghost. So is it there? Jesus is like, Phew. I thought maybe I took that out. But it's there. So when we say, Lord, I can't love him. And the Lord's like, no, no, you chose not to. No, it wasn't my choice. So I couldn't help it. Are we going to argue with the Lord? Yeah, we will now. I, I can guarantee you, be, millions of people be trying to argue with the Lord. Millions of people. I couldn't do it, Lord. He'll be just like, Gabriel, put up, read it. Go ahead and read it. Lord, I don't want to read it. You go ahead and read it. You know, he'll make us read it. I, you know, I don't know if he will do or not. You know, I don't know if there's any TVs in heaven. But, but it, did he write that? Is that a true statement that the love of God is there? So, so when we say, Lord, I couldn't help it. Is that a true statement? Well, I, I couldn't forgive them. Is that, a, is that a biblically true statement? What is a true statement is, Lord, I didn't want to forgive them. Well, now that is a true statement. But see, if you'll at least own it, see, then the Lord can say, well, then you need to repent. See, then you can say, well, Lord, you're right. I chose not to forgive them. I ask you to forgive me for not forgiving them first. And Lord, I choose to pardon them, right? What's the word uh, forgive mean? It means to pardon, right? I just, I just can't forget what they did to me. 
Sure you can. Right? Absolutely you can. If the word of God is so. Uh, see, uh, the, pr- the problem is uh, when the devil tempts us, and he does. He tempt- does he tempt everybody? Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's bitterness, right? Sometimes it's, it's harboring ill will. They're all kind of wrapped up in the same concept of unforgiveness. Uh, but uh, the devil, uh, along with his temptation, brings along with a book of excuses. Here's three excuses you can use to not forgive him. Oh, that's, that one's really good right there. I can, I can use that one right there. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't forgive him because my mom, right? because I was raised by a single mom. I can't do that. I heard a man say, I can't, I can't be successful in life because I, my mom was a single mom the way she raised me. And he's a grown man. And I'm like, You're telling me you can't be successful because the way your single mom raised you the best she could, right? I mean, single moms have a hard deal, right? Uh, and yeah, I can't, I can't be successful. Is that a true statement? No, you are unsuccessful because you choose not to be successful, amen? Now, I'm not trying to be hard on people, but it's just when people say that, what they're saying is the word of God does not apply to me. I have a special deal with the Lord that the word does not apply to my life. And I have, I'm free to live however I want to because the word doesn't apply to me. And, and my concern for them is it won't, it won't hold any water with the Lord. They will lose out on this life and in the life to come. Because we're supposed to be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And if you're just living by excuse, you're laying up for yourself no treasures in heaven. Now, I believe they'll make it to heaven, but they'll go naked. And when we get up there, they'll be like, hey, brother, can you spare a dime? You know, we need to worship the Lord. I, you know, all the others are casting their crowns to the Lord. I got no crowns, you know. Can I, can I borrow one of your crowns? Oh, yeah, I got a hundred of them. You know, you take one, you know. And, you know we'll be, I mean, we'll be compassionate to, to our friends in, in heaven. Uh, but, um, but, but we need to get it settled in our hearts that, that if the devil tempts us, we are not required to yield. Is that a true statement? 100% true, right? 100% true. There's never a scenario where you, when you yield to the devil, he overtook you. Never a scenario like that. That's biblically true. Every scenario, you chose to do it. Yeah, and now, now, there may be a thousand reasons why you chose to do it, right? Did you not, you haven't grown in faith like you should. You haven't prayed like you should. You haven't re- uh, read the word like you should. You haven't attended church like you should to be trained like you should. There may be a lot of reasons why you, you were unable to do that. But there's never a valid, valid excuse for that, right? You can't remove the guilt of failing and yielding to the devil by any excuse at all. You have to own it. Lord, I chose to do it. Uh, and, and that will allow you to be, to be fully repentant uh, and, and to be successful with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so, so then she went on and say that one way the devil devours us is through sickness and disease. And that's true, right? That he seeketh whom he may devour. And one of the ways he loves to devour the people of God and the people of the earth is through sickness and disease. Not just the people of God, but the people of the earth, right? Because he's trying to kill everybody. He hates everybody. Does the devil love anybody? No. What about the people who are fully possessed of the devil? He still hates them. One of those who are 100% serving the devil today, he hates every one of them. He wants every one of them to die and burn in hell for all eternity. Uh, he, do, he loves nobody. The love of God is not in him, right? He, he has no capacity to love. Uh, and so, but he, but he will devour through sickness and disease anybody that will allow him an inch, right? Uh, and and uh, we do that oftentimes with our own words, right? Oh, here it comes again. I'm always the first one. Um, uh, and, and, you know, this is a subtle one, but, but it's true, too. Um, I, I believe someday the Lord's going to heal me. Well, I mean, he already heals you on the cross, right? So that's, a, that's, a, that's pushing into the future what the Lord did for you in the past. Amen? And as long as it's always in the future, it's never going to arrive. Amen? Yeah, no, I was healed at the cross. Are you healed right now? Absolutely, I'm healed right now. Uh, well, you don't look healed. What, what's, what's, uh, I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I am healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm not going to get healed. I was already healed. And so the devil oftentimes loves to 
kind of take our vocabulary and wrap it up in spiritual sounding things that are not, there's no faith in it at all. I'm going to get my healing. You watch, I'm going to get my healing. Then you'll never get it. Not by faith, you'll never get it. Amen. Uh, if you're already healed, see, then, then you've, got a, uh, you've got a 100% chance to get it. Amen. But if you're going to get healed, if the Lord's going to heal you, if you push it off into the future for something that the Lord's done for you in the past, then uh, you may never get it. Amen. Uh, but see, it sounds kind of spiritual, right? Because the devil loves pseudo-spiritual sounding statements. Now, and, and that's one way that, uh, you remember uh, when he went to Eve, right? Hath God said? In the garden, remember that? Hath God said? So what did he attack? He attacked the word, right? Hath God said? And what did she say? The Lord said, uh, neither what? Touch the tree, nor eat of it. Did the Lord actually say, don't touch the tree? He never said, don't touch the tree. He said, don't eat of the tree. So what did she do? Her, her doctrine was, was sloppy. And, and the devil said, I got him. As soon as she said, I, I can't touch it, I've got him. Because what did he do? He go touch it. And she didn't die immediately. And he said, see, he, 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 really didn't, he didn't really mean what he said. But he never said that to begin with. So he, so he loves to get Christians whose doctrine is kind of sloppy and, and fuzzy and touchy-feely and, and not really accurate from the Word of God. You know, wow, the Lord, the Lord understands our burdens in life. Well, what's that even mean? He said, cast all your care. So you shouldn't have any burdens you know, other than the responsibilities of, of living for the Lord. But as far as weights and heaviness, there shouldn't be any of that. Oh, the Lord understands it, right? Just like we mentioned the song this morning, right? Oh, Lord, don't move, don't move the mountain. Just give me the strength to walk it, to, 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 to walk up the mountain. Doesn't that sound spiritual? That sounds so spiritual. I mean, just, you know, just to a faith person, that's like, you know, that's like eating broccoli or something nasty like that, right? Just gross. I mean, just, it's sad, right? No, and so <clears throat> I, I ain't asking the Lord for strength to walk no mountain. He told me to speak to the mountain. Amen. Uh, and, and in fact, he didn't even say pray about the mountain. Oh, I've been praying about the mountain. Uh, Lord, Lord, give me the strength of the Lord. He didn't say pray about the mountain. He said, you speak to the mountain. You know, if we're, if we're involved in prayer, Lord, you've you got to help me move this mountain. He'd be like, what are you talking about? Did I, I never said you talked to me about the mountain. If, I told you that that mountain's not in the will of God. So you do something about it. You speak to it. And until you speak to it, it's going to stay there. He's not mad at us, but that's, you know, so oftentimes we second guess what the word says. We say, well, Lord, I, it, it can't, it, I can't do that, Lord. Let's do it this way. How many times do the church do that? Uh, give, me, give me the strength to walk up the mountain. We're saying, Lord, your word's not sufficient. Uh, what you said there, speak, uh, that's crazy talk. Nobody can do that. I need you to do this thing over here instead. Give me the strength to walk it. Now, that sounds spiritual, but, but it's, it's an affront to, to, the, to the Lord. It's disrespectful to the Lord to say, your word as, as written is not sufficient. Let, let's, let's change a few things here, Lord. Okay, that's better. Yeah, let's, let's do Bible 2.0. Uh, yeah, uh, speak of the mountain. Yeah, we can't do that. That's crazy talk. Let's, let's just, just give me the strength to, to climb the mountain. Lord. Yeah, that, that, that sounds better because that means I don't have to do anything, right? It means you've got to do it. Uh, it's, all your, it's all up to you. Uh, and so oftentimes it's amazing how disrespectful we are to the word of God. And we read the word of God and we say, that, that's not possible. Nobody can live that way. So, Lord, I, I can't do that. But I can do this over here, Lord. That, that, that's, that's just disrespectful to the Lord. Amen. Um, and, and it's so easy for the church to be disrespectful to the Lord. And, and uh, it's unkind to us to, to tell the uh, Lord who's so kind to us and give us this great word of faith uh, that we can follow uh, diligently. 
and, and to disrespect him and to say it's not sufficient. I need a second. I need a special deal. Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, does the Lord heal today? He does. People all over the world in the church say God doesn't heal today. That is such a disrespectful thing to say. Uh, dishonoring to the Lord, who spent so much effort and time and energy and love to send us His own Son to die and to, to shed blood on our behalf and to allow His body allow His body to be broken on our behalf and to say something so flippant that God doesn't heal anymore. It shows such disrespect for what the Lord has actually done for us. It's To me, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, personally, I'm almost ashamed when I hear people talk like that. I'm ashamed for them. I'm ashamed for their faith that, you know, I mean, it, I'm always going to sleep over it, but it just, it just bothers me that somebody could so flippantly say that the Almighty God in heaven who spent such uh, effort to, to get us healed, that they just take that and throw that all away as if it was nothing, as if the Lord spent no actual time and no energy and no effort. He didn't spend the thousands of years working through redemption to get this to happen and to, to ensure that his body was free from the sin nature to be a perfect sacrifice. Do all that work and energy to make sure all that was perfect so that we can live life free from disease and to say some, something so flippant like, well, God just didn't heal me. It's just, just, I mean, it's just, it's like they've never met the Lord. Amen. It's like they, they have no, no concern about, uh, about diminishing the promises of heaven. Uh, I mean, it's just, if you get to a point where you love the word more than your breath, you would never say anything that would dishonor the word of God. Never. And you may say, well, Lord, I, I just don't understand it right now. Well, that's fair, right? Go back and, and pray and, and study until you get the understanding and the revelation of it. That, that's fair, right? But to say so, something so flippant that God doesn't heal anymore. I mean, that's just, it's just like, well, God doesn't love people anymore. That's, I mean, is that, is that anywhere true at all? It's, I mean, it's so far from not true. But, uh, and so I just, you know, some, and I hear, you know, we all hear people say things like that. So flippant, you know, well, I don't believe in healing. So you've not met the Lord. Let's get you saved first and then you'll believe in it, right? And then, oh, I'm, 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 I'm saved. I mean, I, I'm not your judge, but I mean, but, wow. Uh, you may be in, you know, barely cross the line, but you've never met him, spent any time with him, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. We'll, we'll pick this up because uh, she goes on then and starts talking about, well, how did the sickness and disease get into the earth? And there's some good scriptures for that. And if we can understand those scriptures, see, then, then it's easy to understand that God wants to heal us, amen? if we understand how this came about. Uh, and so let's pray and thank you, Lord, for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that your word is so, and that as humble servants of the Lord, we choose to cast all our care upon you and to recognize that we are sovereign beings and we are never required to yield to the devil in any uh, shape, form, or fashion in our lives. We choose to stand our ground and to resist him, Father. And you said if we do resist the devil... Every single time, without exception, he will flee from us and run away from us as in terror. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We know that, Father, because your word said it is so. And, Father, we choose to follow your word. We choose to follow your word and not the concepts of religion that uh, is so full of, of doubt and unbelief, Father. We choose to follow your word exclusively and not our past thoughts or past uh, uh, understanding of, of even what we thought your word says. We're going to follow your word as it's written, as it's spoken in, your, in the scriptures that you handed down to us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, the, the uh, faith is not a, a difficult topic, right? It's not hard. Uh, but it does take some, some level of diligence to guard your own 
your own thought life, guard your own words, uh, and to not only guard them, but, but speak words of faith, amen? I, I, I am an overcomer. You know, just in my own life, I, I say on a regular basis about, about myself, I cannot be defeated, I cannot be overcome. And does that mean that, that uh, you know, what I never say is, I never have problems. I mean, I can't not help problems to come my way, right? I mean, you know, as long as there's people on the earth, there's problems, amen? As long as there's a fallen world that we live in, there's problems to deal with. So I never say that, but, but, I, but I do say that I cannot be overcome and I cannot be defeated. Because, I mean, that's what the Word of God says. Was Jesus ever overcome? Was he ever defeated? No. I mean, even when he went to the cross, he wasn't overcome or defeated. He went by choice. I'm going to go do this and everything will work out. And, of course, it did. Amen. And so let's get ready to re- receive this afternoon's offering. So uh, don't forget, um, uh, we got prayer coming up this, uh, this Friday. And then uh, we'll have um, um, our church meal on the 20th of November. And so, come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, uh, this particular, you know, the, of the four books, you know, I, I'm liking this book pretty well. I, uh, she's got a little bit more doctrine in this book. You know, some of the other books was more of her experiences and observations as she ministered. And uh, I just like doctrine. I like, I like the Word. I like what people's revelation about the Word is. And, and so, um, because it builds my faith up, Amen. Testimonies are good and encouraging, but you can't build your faith on a testimony, right? You build your faith on the Word. Yeah, and, so, uh, and so those other, those other books are fine, but uh, so far I'm liking this book uh, the best out of the three of them. So uh, in the next book we're looking at, uh, uh, I think I'm going to really enjoy that. It, I've never taught from that particular book. We had to read it in Bible school. Um, and um, it's a little bit, I mean, as far as doctrine, it's a little bit more in-depth, you know, and so we'll have to take our time and... and um, Unlike what we normally do, right? We just skim over everything, right? Uh, but um, we'll have to take our time and go through that because uh, the fellow's got some good, uh, good insights and things there. So, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed, uh, uh, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday, right?